Welcome into the Horror's Edge podcast. My name's Phil. And I'm Stacy. And today we're going to be discussing 2007's remake of Halloween done by Rob Zombie. Uh, this film had a lot of eyes on it from the very second that it was announced. I vividly remember when Rob Zombie announced that he was going to be directing a reboot, like complete reboot of the Rob Zombie fran- or the Halloween franchise. Uh, it, there was a lot of debate uh, in the horror community about this. And as far as I know, there's not too many people that are widely known for something completely different that just turn around and say, I'm going to be a director. Today, we're starting to see things like that, but it's actors getting turned into directors in horror, uh, people like Jordan Peele. Was this his first movie? No, this is his third. He did House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects before this, okay. uh, which are both in the Firefly, Firefly trilogy. Um but he never directed anything besides that one original idea that he had. And to basically put such a huge franchise and such a uh, very already divisive director is a very big uh, shot for the studio to do. It's a lot of money that comes into a movie like this. And to be able to take a relatively unknown director and be able to put them into the shoes of something like this is a really Big step for uh, them, especially, I mean, it's not a gigantic blockbuster budget, but it's still estimated to be roughly $15 million, which is a lot of money to give uh, for the movie. But I think that their thought process behind it was Rob Zombie uh, directed uh, basically every single one of his music videos in the past. And a lot of people see strong connections between the visuals of a uh, shock rock type of uh, music video and a essentially a B-horror movie. Not that the Halloween franchise is in B-level of horror, but there are still similarities in the two of them. Yeah, you could definitely see his style throughout the movie being that zombie style that you're used to seeing with him on stage and in his movies. <clears throat> kind of like a hippie-ish, kind of dreadlock type of feel. Um, you can see that in both movies that he directed and they must have had a lot of confidence that his movies that he directed previously had done well, that they gave him the go ahead to do this reboot. Yeah, they definitely made quite a bit of money, um, off of not a huge budget. So they did very well for themselves. And I've always been a big Rob Zombie fan growing up, uh, around the time that I was listening to the radio, all my hard rock stations, Hellbilly Deluxe had just come, came out, and uh, things like Dragula and Living Dead Girl and Never Gonna Stop Me, huge, huge, huge songs. And he was actually part of the first concert that I've ever seen. It was OzFest, I believe 2002, and uh, he ended up uh, being on the main, one of the first bands on the main stage, and I was just completely blown away by his performance, and he was definitely including a lot of horror elements in there. He always had things like uh, Frankenstein monsters and stuff like that as backdrops while he's playing, and all, obviously his songs are about this type of stuff. Uh, the Man Who Smiles and stuff like that. Very, very horror-driven. You can tell that this man loves the uh, genre. Yeah, and I think that his music background along with the music videos really molded well to these two movies that he directed. 
The music throughout, I really enjoyed. The style, the song choices, I think he did a really good job. Yeah, um, and it, it's going to be hard for us to not talk about both this one and Halloween too because we're very restricted on time right now. And these movies specifically, I'm fine with my kids watching horror movies. I, I really am okay with it. The original Halloween movie, I sat down with my son when he was nine and we watched it together. Uh, we both had fun with it. I am not okay with my son watching a Rob Zombie movie or no. my daughter. No. Uh, and so we watched those whenever we can actually squeeze them in when they're not in the house. So like we were able to fit both of them in while they were at school the other day. Uh, what I didn't want to do is record one, watch the podcast, and then not know if we have enough time to uh, do the other. Because I can easily do the podcast while they're home. That movie is not going to play in the background. We'll definitely get into that when we're doing a spoiler discussion of yes. this. But keep in mind, there is going to be some blending of us talking about number two, despite the fact that today we're only talking about number one. Uh, and with that being said, let, let's dive into it a little bit. Let's uh, give a review of what we thought of this movie. So the way that uh, I rank movies on this channel is one through ten. One being absolute dog shit. Don't waste your time. This thing is a complete disgrace. Five being this is an average movie. You can put it on. It's not going to piss you off. It's not going to be something to write home about. And ten being this movie is absolutely amazing. You definitely need to watch it. And it, it's going to blow you away. Where did you rate this out of one through ten? I gave it a rating of an eight. Now I have seen this before a couple times I think. Not too many. Maybe three total with this viewing. I really enjoyed it. I think the story was similar to the original Halloween, which I really liked. Uh, it did jump around kind of back and forth to um, different scenes, so that kind of threw me off a little. Um, I really liked the actor that played the young Michael Myers in this first movie. I thought he did a great job. Loved the mask um, that he had as an adult. Yeah. And I loved the music choice throughout. I think that was a big hit for me. Okay. What did you rate it? I gave this movie a 4 out of 10. Really? Um, so there were parts of this movie that worked super, super well for me. I love adult Michael Myers. He is insanely brutal. Yes. The kills are very gory. The sounds of the kills are far and away some of the best in most horror out there. I did enjoy the sound effects um for the movie it really put it over the top but me personally i don't like to hear that so it always makes me cringe because it was yeah. super gory but for this style of the movie that they were making it makes total sense yeah um the other thing that i didn't really care for which i knew going in this is a very sexual movie throughout me i don't really care for that to see that brought super forward in the movie yeah um and we can discuss that later on but that was why my rating was a little bit lower um for those reasons yeah i hated the first 30 minutes of this movie if the, if the first 30 minutes of this movie was not in here this would be much much higher for me okay uh the fact that uh so it's little spoilers as i can possibly give during this statement um, you know, based on basically the cover of this movie as well as uh, the trailers, it, it talks about Michael as a kid. Yeah. Everything about Michael as a kid, I absolutely hate. 
the, the actor does fine, but I don't want to know about Michael Myers as a kid. Yeah. That's the allure of Halloween is that he was a completely original kid and then for no reason whatsoever he just became completely evil and yeah. that's that. This dives way too much into the backstory and I can't stand it. Um, the music I love in this movie, but it looks like they Rob Zombie came up with the soundtrack and he's like, okay, I'm going to design scenes around this music. It's not I'm going to design music around the scenes i could see so, that it, while it was awesome it also felt like it didn't fit in certain aspects of it um, and i agree the diving into his childhood the way that they did um i could see where that's a little confusing and not needed i enjoyed it but i also could have done without it Yep, and I can tell that was one of the things that you would like about this movie, and I knew that from the very beginning because you enjoyed the backstory of it. I enjoyed the not knowing. I like the drama. Yeah, I like not knowing things. Yeah, and that's a very big unknown thing about Halloween is you don't know why Michael Myers is the way that he is. This tells you way too much about it. Yeah, I think and that story of him not having a super odd childhood really goes well with the normal yeah. of. Halloween. Because that tells you that it can happen in any suburban neighborhood to right. any random kid. Whereas if you give this type of backstory in it, it's okay, this is going to happen in a trailer park. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and it didn't do for me. Seeing him wearing a Kiss shirt walking around, I was just like, come on. I love Kiss. Well, I like Kiss. I love the idea of it. Obviously, it was way before my time, but uh, it, it didn't fit with the story and that's yeah. why i gave it so low of a rating overall though it it's almost an average movie to me it's a little bit below if i tune out my head and say okay let's watch this movie from 35 or 40 minutes in it's a good movie i really enjoy it so yeah. that, that's i think my this is my favorite adult michael myers actor i think he fits it really well i love him i absolutely love him. super scary him more of a take um there is one that I like more, which we'll get into later, but very good. Yes. So let's get into a little bit of spoiler stuff. So first thing that I do is I dive into a little bit of trivia that I found on uh, IMDb for this movie. Um, keep in mind, some of this will be giving away some certain aspects of the movie. So if you have not seen this movie yet, go check it out. Definitely worth your time. Also, as a side note, we watched the director's cut of this movie this review i know that i've seen the theatrical cut before because i want opening night but uh i have the dvd on my shelf and i have the director's cut so there are scenes of this that are different or extended like i know that they drug out the beginning a little bit more in the director's cut compared to the theatrical so as i'm breaking it down a little bit just realize that is a difference uh i'm not going to break down the difference of what the director's cut is versus the normal one just know that's the one that we ended up watching for this review Yes. So, uh, Malcolm McDougall, the actor who played Sam Loomis in this movie, ended up screwing up so many scenes and causing so many retakes because he couldn't hold his laughter in. <laughs> and it was driving the other uh, actors on set absolutely insane how many times they had to wow. redo takes. Especially because there's so little comedy in this movie, right. so there's really nothing to be laughing at, but he was still laughing either way. Maybe like an <laughs> uncomfortable, nervous laugh. Yeah. I do that. So the uh, person who's dating Deborah Myers, Ronnie, 
in this movie, the complete trailer trash guy, William Forsett is the actor who played him, and he actually injured his leg prior to shooting, which is why he's wearing a cast throughout the film. So I don't think that was part of the original character to have him essentially be somebody who sits on a couch or can't really get up or do anything, but it ended up getting worked into the script because that's what they ended up being dealt with, which oh. good for them for continuing to work with him after casting him. Because if this happened prior to shooting, they could very easily have just said, sorry, that's on you. I'm getting somebody else. Yeah. But they didn't. Wow. So around 54 minutes in the film, I think this is the coolest piece of trivia, is the film, the whole thing was mostly shot in uh, South Pasadena, California, which is the same location as John Carpenter's film was actually done, despite it being in Illinois. Uh so the scene where Lori notices Michael watching her and the other girls at the library, Michael is standing in front of Lori's house from the original film, which That's is pretty neat. so cool. Yeah. Uh, and Lori's house is located on the same street that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Nacy Kyles, and PJ Souls walk down in the original film when Michael Myers drives past them in the station wagon. So cool little thing right wow, there. Wow, that's really neat. And the inclusion of the plot line about Michael Myers' early days at the mental asylum under the care of Sam Loomis is a nod to a plot line added in by John Carpenter for the television viewing of the original Halloween. So when Halloween first came out, Carpenter said that the original film was sold to TV. They demanded additional scenes uh, be added to replace the edited portions of the murder scenes. So they weren't able to show some of the stuff, so he had to add some stuff in. And he ended up uh, recalling Donald Pleasance, the original Sam Looms, to film scenes in the hospital taking care of Michael, which I thought was pretty neat. It is neat. Yeah, so Rob Zombie uh, was against the idea of bringing actors in from the previous films. He wanted this film to kind of hold on its old merit, um, but they ended up bringing uh, Danielle Harrison, who was the character who played Jamie Lloyd in Halloween 4 or 5, and then flashbacks from six uh harris revealed in a 2013 e interview that the producers never actually reached out to her she heard about the role at a horror convention had her agent contact them took them a long time to get the deal done and the former disney nickelodeon child actor admitted the main reason that she was actually cast for the role is she agreed to film the very lengthy chase scene while naked something that she had never previously done hmm. Um, so kind of messed up that that was one of the things that they made her do in order to get it. And it, it is lengthy. Uh, zombie is a big fan of making sure there's boobs in this movie and there were boobs in this movie. Lots of them. Uh, and Tyler Maine is the tallest actor to portray Michael Myers at a staggering height of six foot and eight inches tall. Wow. And you can clearly see every one of those inches while he is, uh, filming this movie. He is gigantic. So that's about it for the trivia that I have. There's a bunch more in there, but those are some of the more interesting ones. Let's dive into a scene-by-scene -scene breakdown of this movie. So the movie opens up with a quote from Dr. Sam Loomis, and it says, The darkest souls are not those which choose to exist within the hell of the abyss, but those which choose to break free from the abyss and move silently amongst us. I thought this was a really neat quote, and it kind of reminds me of Loomis of old, uh, something that uh, Donald Pleasance would definitely say in a bunch of the old movies. Yes. And it definitely uh, tells you what type of movie you're about to be 
watching here, just somebody straight from hell walking amongst Earth, which you very much feel. Yes. So from here we get a Halloween title card followed by some 80s music, and we find out it is Haddonfield on Halloween Day. Mike is watching his uh, pet rat while he's got his clown mask on and he's talking to the rat. Sounds very much like a kid talking to his pet. Um, I think the rat's name is Elvis. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's just having a conversation with it. And from here, Deborah Myers and Ronnie are having some trash talk during breakfast with about a million cuss words and the babies just scream crying the whole time. I am somebody who has kids, but I hate baby crying. And this went on for fucking ever, and it was driving me insane. <laughs> uh, if you want to show that the baby's not having a good time, that's cool. Then put the baby in, a, have the parents put the baby in another room to <laughs> chill out or chill the baby out. But now these uh, shitty parents are just sitting there, cussing left and right, straight trailer trash talk yep. to each other, uh, sexual references left and right. Uh, so Judy Myers comes in and. He's talking about her sweet ass in front of Deborah, and it's just some really disgusting talk. And it really, if it was once or twice, hey, I get it. These characters are shitty. Ronnie is a piece of crap. Yeah. Let's move on. But it was nonstop, and it it just felt it was very too over much. the top. Like I get that you're trying to portray them as trailer trash or really junky parents. But it went on for way too long. Yeah. So from here, Deborah Myers, uh, Mike's mom, tells uh, Judith, his sister, that he needs, she needs to bring Michael down for breakfast. And it flashes to him in the bathroom cleaning blood off of his hands um, and off of a little scalpel knife. And uh, Judith's yelling him to come down, and he's just acting like a little piece of shit brat. Like, I can't hear you. Ah! I mean, it is brother and sister rant type of stuff, so I appreciate having some type of connection between the two of them. Um, but don't tell me that Michael's just a normal brother-sister type of relationship when you're portraying him in this way because he just killed his pet rat that he was just talking to like they were best friends. Yeah. So he comes downstairs. Uh, Ronnie is saying to Deborah that Michael's a little bitch and he keeps calling him Michelle. And Michael comes down, talks to uh, Deborah, and he's like, Elvis died. I had to flush him. How do you flush a rat? That's the exact same thing that I was thinking, too. Obviously, this thing's pretty damn big. But she instantly believes him. And now we're at school. And some boys are in the bathroom just talking vulgar shit uh, to Mike about his family. Uh, they pull out a picture that they somehow have of his mom at the strip club. And he's like, I bet you she'll suck my dick for a nickel. You think that she will? Yeah. <laughs> and once again, this whole town just talks like complete trailer trash, even though this is suburbia <laughs> County. Yeah. It, it doesn't fit the area that they're in, but it's happening. So Mike is standing up for himself, but he's being very like standoffish at the same time. Like he's telling them to go fuck themselves, but he's doing like, yeah. Barely whispering it loud enough for them to hear. But he's trying to stand up for himself. And a teacher walks in to break up the fight. And Myers tells him to go fuck himself. But uh, says it louder. Yeah, th this time he has enough confidence to do it because he knows that he's not going to do anything. Once again, showing as a child, Michael Myers is a bitch. Maybe Ronnie was white. Right, maybe he should be Michelle yeah. <laughs> in this movie. Uh, I do not enjoy anything about this Michael Myers child uh, version despite you 
seeming to like it. So tell me, what what about this backstory? The Michael oh, Myers like as a the kid. Backstory. Did you like? I liked the actor. I think the actor portrayed the storyline very well. Um, okay. His characteristics and his mannerisms really fit with the story. I didn't care for the story of the background of Michael. I just thought he handled it well. Gotcha. Okay. That makes more sense. So from here, Deborah is called to the school uh, because they think that there's something wrong with Michael Myers' head. And they call Dr. Loomis in to work with him. So this is the first time there's any type of interaction there. Uh, and he's talking to Deborah, who's being very white trashy to the principal of the school. So very much continues. She's not scared to do it outside of her house. And she's telling them things like, well, you guys got nothing better than fucking call me home from work to talk about this shit. And they're like, well, we found a dead cat in your son's locker. She's like, well, so what? So we found a dead cat on the way to school, which, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. And then they pulled out a whole bunch of photos of a ton of different animals that he killed. And she's like, oh, this is nothing like Michael. He loves animals, but obviously not because he's flushing rats down the toilet. Right. Um, so Myers hears all this and then he runs out of the school and the Halloween music starts playing. So I thought this was a pretty cool visual of Kid Mike running away with the Halloween music playing. Although I would have appreciated it, them not playing the Halloween music until he snaps and becomes Michael Myers. But in this version of uh, Halloween, I guess uh, Mike always had that in him. Yeah. And it was derivative because of his upbringing. So he grabs his mask and he runs. And Wesley Rhodes, who is the bully that we saw before, I believe that's his name. I had to look it up on IMDb because they never say it throughout this movie. Uh, gets super pissed that he got detention again. Like blames Michael, says to the other bully, if I ever see him again, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to straight up kill him. And Myers is hiding in the woods. And he violently beats Wesley yes. to death with a branch. Yes. Like every single swing it shows forefront to the camera, Wesley is begging for his life. Super just brutal. Screaming. Like he does the performance of a lifetime right here, uh, selling that he is in so much pain and just please leave me alone. Yeah. Does a great job. Super brutal death. And he just keeps bashing him in, bashing him in. And Michael pulls his mask down. And as soon as he pulls it down, you can tell there's. No remorse in his face. No. This part was done very well. Uh, the beating seems to go on forever. Um, and then we flash back to Ronnie talking to Michael at the house. So it's after the killing later that night. And he's making fun of uh, Mike for killing all those animals. He's like, oh, I bet you made you feel like a real man, huh, Mike? Huh, you pussy? And he yeah. just keeps <laughs> shit-talking Ronnie. Yeah. Uh, if that so, was my kid and I, well, stepchild... And I found out that he murdered a bunch of animals. I would not be making fun of him. I yeah. would think this kid needs Well, it's not him. his kid. Um, I know. I said stepchild. Gotcha. I don't even think that they're married. I, I don't know what happened. I think that... Well, whatever. <laughs> whatever the situation is, uh, Deborah's there as well. And uh, she needs to go to work at the strip club. So she's telling Judith that she needs to take Michael trick-or-treating. And the fact that you'll let your kid go trick-or-treating after finding out all these shitty things that he's done, like, okay. Terrible parenting. <laughs> very, very bad. So even the parent who cares about him, very bad parent. Yes. But he is very much in love with his mom. And he's like, 
it's okay, Mom. Uh, your hair looks very pretty. And just having a normal conversation like it's just another day. Yeah, she um, tells him things are going to change after tonight's trick-or-treating. Yeah. So he already has in his head that it doesn't really matter. I'm playing her like a fiddle. Yeah. By tomorrow, it's going to be fine. Very much so. So from here, it shows... Uh, yep. And by the way, Deborah Myers is uh, Sherry Moon Zombie, Rob Zombie's wife, who somehow gets a role in every one of his movies as the lead actress. I'll never understand it because very, very seldom is she good. Uh, <laughs> she's not a good actress. Uh, she doesn't portray the roles that she's in well, with the exception of In the Devil's Rejects. Uh, she plays... Uh, uh, what's the Firefly's name in there? She plays the lead Firefly very, very well. Uh, Baby is her name. She plays very well in that, but every other role that she's in is god-awful terrible, but good for Rob Zombie for just saying, hey, I've seen every review. I know they think that she sucks, but I don't give a fuck. It's my movie. I'm going to hire who I it's want. It's his wife. He doesn't care. Yeah, and it, it very much shows that he doesn't care. <laughs> um. <laughs> So she's stripping, it's showing that, it's playing some Nazareth in the background, Love Hurts, which is a reoccurring song in the uh, movie, and from here it just shows Michael Myers being a little bitch outside of the house eating candy corn by himself because Judith refused to go take her trick-or-treating, so he had to go on his own, and he's outside pouting about it. You'll hear me, especially in the beginning of this movie, talk about how Michael's a little bitch because that's how it's portraying him. It's portraying him as a kid who just gets bullied and has a bad family and he's crying. And normally these are all very sad situations. However, Michael Myers is supposed to be straight up remorseless, like yeah. no feelings, no sympathy, no evil, caring, not human. doesn't care about his mom, doesn't care about his sister, doesn't care about the baby sister. He just, a switch hits and he goes from being a normal kid yeah. to being fucked up. And the way that this movie is portraying him, I hate it. Yeah. So, um, from here, Michael goes inside and, uh, Judith's, Judith's boyfriend is in there and he's fucking his sister and uh, he pulls the Myers mask out, uh, the Halloween mask that we all know and love. And uh, he's having sex with her with that on. And Michael comes in, he's eating his candy corn by himself again. And then out of nowhere, he decides he's going to kill Ronnie. Just complete whim. He opens up a drawer, pulls out some tape, gets the butcher's knife, and... Uh, he just it shows him taping him up, and then Ronnie wakes up finally from, he can tell he's just blackout drunk. He yeah. wakes up from being passed out, and he's completely taped to where he can't move anything on his body to this couch. Myers looks at him, turns his head, pulls down his clown mask, and slits his throat. Um, and you watch him bleed out downstairs, um, and I don't know. It, it was his second kill. Um, and it did nothing for me. It, it didn't seem, I get why they did it, but I don't get why he taped him up and maybe he just knew that he was outmatched. I don't know. So anyway, uh, Judith's boyfriend walks downstairs to get some food. Yeah. Myers grabs a baseball bat and just beats the fucking shit out of him. Like once again, very similar to the stick death in the woods, yeah. uh, extraordinarily brutal. 
uh, in this one, though, after the first blow knocked him unconscious, but he was still obviously still alive because he was twitching, yeah. uh, which I thought was a pretty neat way to do it. And he just keeps beating the hell out of him. You can um, tell he enjoys it. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if he does because whenever he kills, it doesn't show any type of feelings in him. That's one because thing that they I just did meant, right. Like he just kept doing it where it's like you obviously know that the person's dead and he just like I don't maybe just snaps into this like out of body experience but yeah he just kept going and going and going yeah um and one thing that I, I like about the Rob Zombie movies both of them is whenever Michael Myers is doing something, like when he's swinging, you hear him grunting, you hear him laboring over, like he's putting everything that he has into yes. the swing. Yes. He does starts doing it with the stick before he's doing it with the baseball bat now. Uh, you can hear each one, like he's yeah. doing what he the needs to The sound effects everything. are on point for all of the kills and beatings and stuff, but for me, just in my personal preference i don't like to hear the over-the-top slashing the gushing of the blood that's just i don't like that but that's what this movie is yeah so from here he drops the baseball back grabs the knife again and walks upstairs to judith's room and she's listening to don't fear the reaper which i thought was a pretty neat little thing that they threw in there yeah so Myers comes in, he grabs the Halloween mask, which looks fucking stupid on him because this is obviously an adult mask and it makes him look like a a toddler wearing a mask 15 sizes too big for him. Yes. There's nothing intimidating about this scene and they try and make it seem intimidating. They're shaking the camera, they're giving this crazy music when he's walking towards her and all that I see is like a two foot tall person wearing a one foot mask. Yeah. (laughs) It it did not fit him. It didn't give anything to him in the sense of like a scariness. It just looked dumb. Now, while I get they wanted the continuity, they didn't want a six foot eight tall man's mat, a child's mask to fit a six foot eight tall person, but I would have accepted that plot line to see a mask (laughs) that fits him better uh, or have him wear the clown mask. That's fine too. Right. Um, And then maybe he just grabs that mask and that's how he gets caught by the cops as he's staring at the mask. Yeah. That would have been cool, but that's not the route that they chose to go. So, anyway, um, he stabs her a shit ton of times. He stabs her in the stomach. She walks out of the room, and he stabs her a ton more times, probably another ten times. And Myers takes off his mask, walks over to the baby, grabs the baby, which is Boo, and sits outside till Deborah comes home. Says, Happy Halloween to Boo. Yeah. Uh, so now we're jumping back and forth between Deborah just screaming her head off and news reports. It's a pretty cool shot scene. It's all in black and white. It jumps from thing to thing. It seems very chaotic, and that's what they're going for, and it fits it very well. Right. They're bringing the bodies out one by one, and she's, like, lifting the sheet and then completely freaks out, goes to the next body. Yeah. It. it I can't imagine if that was real life, how devastating that has to be. And your son is now holding a baby, just sitting there like nothing happened. Yeah, but something that I wish that the original Halloween did a little bit is uh, dwell on uh, his parents, like how they felt, what happened, because obviously they came home in the original one. They see Michael outside in the clown suit, 
just standing there with the knife, like uh, with the shocked look on his face or no look on his face, however you want to say it. And they talk to him and then it kind of just pans out to so many years later. This one, it actually shows the the reaction of the parent, which I thought was good. Yes. Um, So from here, we now have a title card telling us is Smith's Gross Sanitarium 11 months later. So uh, we get a news report about how Michael finally got sent it. It's a the most money that ever went into a child case before and he was determined to be mentally insane and has to go to an asylum and we have find out uh dr sam loomis is going to be in charge of him there so loomis is doing an interview with myers uh it's their first one they're recording their conversations and he's having a full conversation with him like he's just a normal kid yeah and he's asking him so what do you remember about that night what do you mean about that night oh yeah. about trick-or-treating yeah it was good yeah. He's like, no, about the murders. I didn't murder anybody. I didn't kill anybody. And he was just, like, that part was blanked out and he was just a normal kid. Yeah. Hey, when can I go home? Uh, not today. Can I go home tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to ask about that. Like, he, he had no idea what he was in there for. So it's almost, I think the idea that Rob Zombie was going for here, which kind of makes sense, is the Michael Myers thing is something that takes over his body. And while he is Michael Myers the murderer or the shape, however you want to say it, he does not have conscious thinking. It takes over him, almost like a possession takes over somebody. Uh, But they don't really dive into that much, and from what little they give, it doesn't work. It was, like, weird because they were dwelling on how for many years he killed animals and he was super cruel and he kind of was, like, growing up to be a psychopath, and then all of a sudden he does this murder on Halloween night and it's him just talking, having a normal conversation, asking to go home, has no memory of it. The two didn't make the connection for me. Yeah. So his mom, it shows many times his mom visiting him at the sanitarium and just having normal conversations with him. She's being a good mom. She's trying to keep him upbeat and happy every time that she visits. Yeah. Uh, it introduces the janitor who is played by Danny Trejo. I, I love him in every movie that he's in. He's yes. an awesome, awesome dude. And in this movie, he's a janitor who uh, kind of befriends Michael. He tries to be buddies with him and pump him up telling him hey man i know that this place can bring you down i've spent time behind bars myself but you got to keep your head up kid you got to keep looking forward and he's being really nice to him yeah uh shows another video of myers doing an interview with loomis and he's showing off his mask which he made which is all black loomis was talking about he's like oh yeah black's my favorite color loomis tries going through his whole spiel about how black is the absence of color and you can tell they're trying to give this loomis loomis lines like i've mentioned in the previous movies but none of them hit none of them feel like the old loomis none of them feel like this guy is believes that this child is the abundance of evil it it feels like loomis is trying to save this kid yes um which is very much not what you see in the original Halloweens, which is fine. I, I want a reboot to be different from the original. I really do. Because if you're not going to make it different, why make it to begin with? Yes. Um, and, and some movies do that. And it drives me absolutely nuts. I love reboots if they take a different approach and it's an approach that should have been taken to begin with. Yes. This is a different approach, but I don't think it's one that should have been taken. I like how in this... Um, movie they kind of talk about why he wears the masks 
you know, I have my secrets. No one can see me when I wear it. So it's almost given him like a different personality, kind of like you were speaking of, where mm -hmm. maybe something takes over him. I thought that was great that they kind of zoned in on that. Yeah. And it, it jumps back and forth between interview and talk with his mom, interview, talk with his mom. Like he's telling his mom that he wears a mask to hide his ugliness. Yeah. Uh, once again, to me, that's bitch Myers talking. Uh, I yeah. don't like it. I know that you like it. You like the story behind it. I don't. Uh, it doesn't do anything for me. It, it destroys what I held highly in the original ones. And this may have been the first version of Halloween that you've seen. I think so. And I think that holds a very, very big difference in how you look at these scenes compared to how I look at it. Yes. When you look at a bunch of people's rankings, which I have done in the past because I'm a big YouTube fan. I listen to a bunch of podcasts. A lot of people will have these Rob Zombie movies at the complete bottom because they hate what they did to the series. Now, I, I think you're right because I don't remember seeing the original Halloween, but I definitely remember seeing the zombie version. Yeah, uh, we might have actually gone to the theater for the second one together. Um, but uh, I think that holds a very big candle of why you like this one so highly. Because you don't have the preconceived notions of what this franchise was to you. To yes. you, this franchise was just a mask that people wore on Halloween. And that's it. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, until we got together, you never saw a single Halloween movie. Never. So it doesn't hold the same uh, <laughs> significant. It's a significant franchise to a lot of people. Um, I remember I grew up on Halloween H2O. That was one of the first uh, Halloween movies that I saw, and it was awesome. It blew me away. It was so damn good, and then it made me watch the back catalog. Um, anyway, completely going off on the tangent there. So Myers is now no longer talking during interviews. He's just becoming silent. Loomis is trying to talk to him, and you can tell Loomis doesn't want to be there anymore, but he's still forced to be there. And then we get to a scene where Michael Myers is just breaking the fuck down. He's screaming, I want to get out of here. I want to get I need to get out of here. Yeah. And Loomis is showing sympathy towards him. Like, I'm sorry, Michael. You can't. Yeah. You killed people. You can't just go free. And he gives him a hug just like god what are you doing to my franchise stop it <laughs> once again this first half of the movie it, it drives me nuts scenes like that right there should never be there loomis would never give michael myers a hug that would not happen no that's not what loomis does uh so from here judith give, gives michael a picture of him and boo on her way out and loomis walks her out and then an, he asks the nurse to watch michael she looks at the picture and says, baby's cute. Sure as hell couldn't be related to you. I know. What a bitch. <laughs> what a bitch. Uh, so Loomis is with Deborah over at the elevator and they hear the alarms going off and they run over. You find out Meyer stabbed her in the neck with the fork and is just standing over her body. Uh, and there's a pretty cool sound effects going on here. You got this long blaring alarm going off which just works really well with the scene. Uh, and Deborah is watching home movies uh, at her house now of the family that's just completely gone now. Ronnie's dead. Uh, Judith is dead. Myers is a shell of what he... Michael is a shell of what he was. And she ends up killing herself. So 
when the gun shoots off, it goes silent, and then you get a 15 years later script. And uh, we got security moving Myers at this point. One of them is Danny uh, Trejo, and then the other guy, I'm not sure. But the other guy is a new guy. And he obviously is trailer park shit as well, because he's talking about how he doesn't give a fuck about him, and this and that. Um, and they go to Michael Myers' room, and it's pretty freaking cool. It's just a room filled to the brim with masks yeah. on the wall, he- ceiling to floor, just covered throughout Super the whole neat. thing. Yeah. So, Danny Dreho, once again, being extraordinarily nice to Yeah, I like Myers. that he calls him Mikey. Yeah. It shows that he really is trying to have a connection with him on a different, like a human level. Yeah, and this is the first scene where you see Michael Myers as an adult, and he is towering over everything on the screen. The shots are so well done of him with his head down, long hair, just massive, massive dude. Uh, Really, really cool. He's super intimidating to look at. Absolutely. Yeah, and then it goes back to Loomis talking to him. So the two guards were there to escort him for an interview with Loomis, and Loomis says to him... uh, you're my best friend, which shows how pathetic my life is, <laughs> uh, and says that this is his last day. Uh, he needs to move on to different things. He's obviously not helping. And Loomis says on his way out, uh, these eyes will deceive you. These eyes will destroy you. Uh, and he's given a speech at this point. So he was saying it, and then you see that he's saying it at a, uh, some like type a of conference. convention or something yeah. like that. And he's given a speech from the book that he wrote. Uh, these are the eyes of a psychopath. So he's given his best Loomis lines. And for the first time in the movie, they're kind of working. They're yeah. kind of feeling like Donald Pleasant's given the Loomis lines. But the actor who does it, he just doesn't feel like Loomis. I didn't like that they made him... Like, so into fame and money. Keep keep in mind, this is the first movie. There are very different characters between the first one and the oh, second one. Oh, for sure. One. But I'm saying, he basically gave up on Michael. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that, that never would have happened with the original Loomis. Well, the original Loomis seemed like he gave up on Michael much quicker, if you think about it. Because uh, he constantly would say... I don't want Michael to get back in society. I don't want Michael to be free. I don't want Michael to go to the prison society. I want him to die. Yes. So the original Loomis was far less sympathetic towards Michael than the new Loomis. Well, that's is. what I mean. Like, it's weird that this one is sympathetic to him. Yeah. It's definitely a very big shift from the old character, which is fine. Once again, we're in a reboot. Uh, so let's see where it goes. Uh, the... Guards are out now on night shift, so it's nighttime. We're back into the asylum, and they're just being sleazy pieces of shit. This is my least favorite scene. Yeah, it it didn't fit the movie. If it fit the movie or built up a character, cool. But the guard brings in somebody to pay to have sex with a patient, and the guy's kind of a nerd. I'm nervous about it. He's like, "It's fine. People do it all the time. I do it all the time." So he. Brings her into Meyer's room to rape her on Meyer's bed. And it's very graphic. It goes on for far too long. Uh, shows way too much. And uh, mo- they just keep mocking Myers as they're raping this girl on his bed. 
and Myers eventually puts on his mask and just kills the guards. He tosses one of them through a fucking wall, and the other guy, he just starts slamming his head into the wall until it's basically a bloody pulp. Yes. Um, seems like he doesn't do anything to the woman. He just walks by her and walks out. And so now it shoots over to Danny Trejo showing up for work. So it's the beginning of his work day. And he's trying to get buzzed in, but the receptionist isn't responding. It's because she's dead. Yeah. Uh, and he sees that. So he runs in and he sees guards dead in the hallway. So there's just a trail of destruction and he's following it. He's trying to figure out what's what happened. And at this point, he, the camera pans around and you see Michael Myers just towering behind him. Super Very intimidating. Cool yep. The person that they picked for this was awesome. He did really good. Yes. Um, so uh, uh, Danny Trejo is telling him, hey, Mikey, it's time to go back to your room, okay? I'm just going to put these handcuffs on just to help get you back. And it looks like Myers is cooperating with him. But then eventually he uh, attempts to drown him in the sink and then leaves him alive just to throw a TV on his head to kill him. And uh, Danny is just saying, like, I was your friend, man. You can't do this to me. I was your friend. You can feel the betrayal in Danny's character. Yeah. You know, for 20 years, he was there with Mikey, talking to him, trying to befriend him for no other reason other than to give him some hope. Yeah. And the first moment he can, he kills him. Yeah. So from here, uh, Loomis wakes up to a phone call saying Myers escaped. And now we're at a truck stop with Tom Sawyer playing Rush. Love, Love the music. Does it fit the atmosphere? Eh, not really, but whatever. It's Rush. I love it. So they introduce probably the coolest character in this movie, Big Joe Grizzly. Yeah. He's a trucker, just <laughs> fucking huge dude. Uh, and he's getting out of his truck and he's like talking to the workers over there, telling them not to scratch up his rig. And like, it's just an awesome dude. Yeah. He goes to the bathroom to take a dump. Uh, and Myers is at the, the bus stop and he's banging on the door. And Joe Grizzly kind of takes a look at him because his feet are just disgusting. He can yes. t- he's wearing sandals and it looks like he just check- trekked through miles of mud. And Joe sh- makes some cool line about how he's going to be in there for a while. He just had a double-decker burrito that's making his way through him. So let the beast rest in peace or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> awesome, dude. And Myers just keeps pounding on the door and you just see Joe Grizzly go. You don't want none of this, man. Yeah. You don't want this. So he keeps pounding on the door, and Joe Grizzly pulls up his pants, and he's like, let me dr- introduce myself. I'm Joe Grizzly, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and there's <laughs> just an awesome fight scene just yes. between su- two super big dudes just beating the fuck out of each other. Yes. And uh, they very much wail on each other. It's not full acting. They're beating the shit out of each other. They're slamming each other into the walls, breaking the goddamn uh, bathroom walls with each other's heads. And then Meyer stabs him, steals his overalls, and leaves. So now Michael has his uh, clothes. The Mr. Sandman song starts playing nice and slow here. And we find out we're in Haddonfield on Halloween Day. So it introduces us to the new Laurie Strode, who's making a bunch of sex jokes to her parents, which, okay. That was so out of place. Yeah, uh, Laurie never took me as somebody who would have a bunch of sex jokes to her parents, but uh, maybe that's what this character is. I have to say, I know you shouldn't compare actresses or actors, but it's so hard to get behind this Laurie. It is. uh, She's got 
good scenes, but the vast majority is Rob Zombie character. Yes. And she feels like a Rob Zombie character. Exactly. I mean, you can't compare anybody to the original yeah. Jamie Lee. Yeah, it's hard. When you make a reboot and you decide you're going to take on Laurie Strode, you instantly know everybody watching, despite not should not do it, they are going to compare you to Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. So it's tough shoes to fill, and she does not fill them. She does okay. She does okay. Yeah, she does okay. Um, so she's walking to the Myers house. Dad gives her something to drop off there, and Tommy Doyle uh, meets up with her, talking about how... Uh, he saw the wolf man. She needs to believe it. It's all real. Uh, cut to the Myers house. Um, and he breaks into his old house and breaks apart the floorboards and his knife and mask are underneath the floorboard. So apparently after he went on his murder and spree, he had quite a bit of time before mom showed up. So that way he could do some flooring before she showed up. Um, so his mask allows you to see his eyes wander, which is a really cool thing. It's a nice mask. It, they did a very good job with it. And it fits him very well now that he's a six foot eight tall dude. Yes. Um, I think you can see that he feels complete once he puts that mask on. Yeah. So uh, now uh, Lori shows up to drop off the papers, despite Tommy saying that the boogeyman's in that house. And she's acting like the boogeyman's on the other side of the door. Little does she know Myers is, and he's staring at her. Yeah, she drops that. the uh, papers off, and then Myers smells the papers, which... That was weird. Very un-Michael Myers thing to do, but okay. So... Uh, Lori, Annie, and Linda, I believe is the other name, yes. are now in school. Lori sees Myers outside and she gets spooked by it. See, this is where I'm screwing myself up because I'm normally bad with names. Now I'm double bad with names because I'm thinking of the characters from the second movie <laughs> <laughs> because they bring in new friends. So anyway, Lori, Anna, and Linda are walking home from school and they actually gave Linda some of the stupid lines as a homage to the first one that totally... Yeah. But she wasn't being super annoying by it. You can tell that it was like making fun of it. Yes. Uh, so they see Myers standing there and they start acting like dicks to him. And then finally he walks away. Sheriff Brackett pulls up to bring Annie home. Great character. Uh, he d does a very good job playing Sheriff Brackett. In yes. This movie. Um, and Lori is constantly checking her back for Myers. So you can tell that she's spooked. So Loomis drives to the graveyard trying to get in touch with Sheriff Brackett. And cannot get through it. And Sid Haig is playing the gravekeeper here. I fucking love Sid Haig. He is such an awesome dude and everything that I've seen of him in. If you don't know, Sid Haig is the guy who plays the clown from the uh, Firefly trilogy. So Devil's oh, Rejects and all that. I was trying that. to figure out who that was. Yes. Yeah. Great character. Yeah. And uh, he does very well as the gravekeeper here. He's... Trying to tell a story about Myers to Loomis, but Loomis obviously doesn't care. He just sees a body strung up, an animal that's strung up on a uh, cross on Judith's grave. And Sid Haig just goes off. He's like, these goddamn kids think they ain't got nothing fucking better to do. Just go to my <laughs> fucking grave. And he's going to town. Yes. And Loomis is like, this wasn't kids. I know exactly whose grave that is. So now we flash to Linda and Bob. Uh who are going into the Myers house because they call it their party house. And they're disappointing that the house is going to be going up for sale because they're not going to know where to go to party. So they're fucking in the house and Myers is just watching them in the background. Once again, I'm fine with characters having sex in movies and everything, whatever. 
they show way too much. They yes. show it way too in detail. Um, a lot of boobs in yes. this scene. Which, cool. Uh, that's fine. I, I don't mind seeing it, but it just shows it too much. It feels dirty. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so from there, uh, he's watching in the background. Linda messes with the radio and it changes to Don't Fear the Reaper. Once again, pretty cool little uh, tie in there. So they finish and Lori tells Bob to go get some beers. Linda. Yes, Linda. Uh, Bob walks in with the sheet almost instantly and Myers just brutally fucking attacks him. He strangles him and stabs him to the wall. And he does this pretty cool little head tilt while he's doing it. So definitely a good homage to the original there. Not done as well, but still done well. Yes. Um, So this movie does a good job of talking about the original but not taking too much from the original. And that's an aspect of a good scene to throw in and not be direct copying, or it didn't feel like it. So he walks in the room with the bed sheet on, uh, uh, and Lindsay shows her boobies off again, and he strangles her and snaps her neck. So from here, we got Loomis at the gun store, and he buys a 357 Magnum. And the uh, it was pretty funny, the guy who owns the store, she's like, yeah, sure, no problem. I'll wrap that right up for you. <laughs> you don't want you anything hunting? else? Uh, so now the Strodes are all outside their house giving candy out as a family, which I thought was pretty neat. Uh, and they're barely getting any trick-or-treaters, but Lori ends up going to a party and they're okay. Or she goes babysitting. And parents are definitely like, okay, well, be safe and uh, we'll see you later. So good family dynamic there. Yes. Uh, shows Myers attacking kill the dad. Uh, that was brutal. As soon as he walked in, and then uh, the mom was very brutal. He stabs her and lets her crawl out of the room to the phone before killing her and showing her a pic of Lori, uh, which I thought was pretty neat. So Lori is babysitting Tommy Doyle, and he keeps talking about the boogeyman. This version of Tommy's very annoying. And he calls Lori and says Lindsay Wallace is going to come over so that way she can be with Paul. Myers is watching over Lindsay as she's making this phone call. So now we got uh, Loomis talking to Sheriff Brackett about some fuckery that's going on around here. And he's giving his Loomis quotes. Evil is here and it's waiting amongst us. And Sheriff Brackett isn't wanting to hear any of his shit, but he eventually just, okay. Because I think Sheriff Brackett knows about Lori. He knew uh, that Lori was Michael's sister. But none of this is revealed at this point. Yes. So Annie comes over and Paul stops by to pick her up and Myers is in the background. Loomis is given Brackett more Loomis lines and Brackett still isn't believing him. He thinks that he just wants to sell books and he tells Brackett he's only coming back for his baby sister. The sheriff tries calling the Strode house, but then it shows the brutality of the scene in the phone ringing and they leave to go check it out so tommy and Lindsay keep talking about the boogeyman to Lori non-stop so she, now at this point Lori is babysitting both of them so that way annie and paul can go have sex uh and myers is watching them in the background myers grabs paul by the neck annie tries to run but myers pulls her back in so this is danielle harris from the uh older movies playing annie and she's naked for a very long time in this scene. Uh, 
and he knocks her to the ground, slowly plays with her while she's drag while uh, dragging her. So he's just toying with her at this point. Uh, Lori sends Lizzie back home, and Tommy alone. Uh, she leaves Tommy alone, so that way she can w walk Lindsay back. Sheriff Brackett explains to Loomis how Lori is boo. So uh, Loomis had no idea at this point that they were related, but Sheriff Brackett knew. And he told him, like, you know, this is between us. Yeah. I've been trying to keep her safe for years. Yeah. Obviously, this will destroy her if they find out. This can make the whole community completely change how they uh, look at her. Um, so from here, Lori makes it to the house. Paul is dead with a pumpkin over his head, strung up in the lights, which I thought was a pretty cool scene. And Annie is still alive, but like super, super, super banged up. Lori sends Lizzie to get the police, and she also calls uh, 911. Myers is hiding behind the door, and he's staring at Paul's corpse and ends up playing with it a little bit, which I thought was neat. It's like, like playing with his toys again. Yeah. So Sheriff Brackett hears a call to the house that Annie is babysitting and heads over there. Myers attacks Lori, but she's able to escape, and she's screaming down the road asking for help that Michael Myers is chasing her. She's banging on doors, asking Tommy to open uh, the house, and then Myers breaks the fucking door open. And he breaks it open very awesomely, like, unlike in some of the other movies where he just walks through face first here, he breaks the fucking thing yes so they all decide that they're gonna hide in a bathroom upstairs and uh the police respond to Lori's house Lori unlocks the door but is scared uh myers is going to stab him the kids are telling her don't open the bathroom door don't open it and the cops just like it's the cops open up so she goes to open the door and uh the other cop is downstairs and he gets one shot off before before myers kills him then uh, Myers grabs Lori, drags her out while the kids are in the bathroom still, and he's walking out of the house dragging Lori with him. Sirens are going on all over the place. Sheriff Brackett and Loomis both enter Annie's house, and he sees Annie still alive but barely. It's it's a very sad scene because yes. obviously uh, Sheriff Brackett is Annie's father. So seeing that your destruction, daughter. seeing yeah. your daughter that banged up, very intimidating. So the ambulance pulls up. Tommy, Lori, uh, and or Tommy and Lindsay tell Loomis where Myers is. So Loomis runs over by himself and pulls his gun out. Lori, still alive, wakes up in the basement with Linda dead next to her and Judith's gravestone. So she wakes up in hell, basically. And Myers comes down and shows her a picture of him as a kid with baby Boo. And she's like, I don't get it. I don't know what you want me to do. He takes off his mask and shows his face to her, basically saying it's okay uh, without saying it. And she says, I want to help you. I just don't know how to help you. And uh, grabs a knife and shoves it in his neck. So she was kind of playing him, the fool. Yes. So from here, she tries to leave but is locked in. Myers gets up as she's screaming and then he pulls the knife out. Lori breaks the gate open and escapes just in time. So at this point, Myers is no longer trying to help her. He's trying to kill her because she stabbed him in the neck. Uh, she falls in a pool, and she's screaming for help, and Myers approaches. Loomis hears all the screaming, so he's able to make it out there, tells Myers to stop, and then shoots him three times before he falls down. Loomis helps 
Lori walk her way out of there, sits her in the police car, and Lori's asking if that was the boogeyman. And uh, Lomas gives the same quote as in the first one. As a matter of fact, I do believe it was. So, I liked that. I yeah. liked that it was the original quote. Yeah, they do a good job of picking and choosing what to repeat. Uh, Michael ends up coming up again, and he pulls Lori out of the car. Um, uh, Myers squishes Loomis's head, basically beats the fuck out of him, and Lori runs into a house and hides in a wall. Uh, it's a very weird scene of how she's hiding, but Michael comes in. He he's pulling Loomis's body with him, so Loomis is still alive. Um, but he's Michael's keeping him alive. Myers hears her inside of the walls and starts punching the fuck out of the drywall. And it's a pretty cool scene about he's just going to find her. He's yep. not going to take any of her shit. Uh, she reaches to grab for Loomis's gun, gets it. And as soon as she gets it, Michael sees her uh, and she runs away. Lori's now hiding up in the ceiling and Michael finds out that she's in the ceiling because he can hear her. So he starts punching holes in the freaking ceiling. That was a and cool scene. he has a two by four and he's just punching the shit out of the ceiling, just busting everything out. And because the Myers house is completely torn down, things are falling apart easily. So, uh, Myers, like, she gets away. She falls uh, from the Myers attack. Myers is waiting for it, and then he just fucking throws himself and her off of the balcony. When she comes to, she's laying on top of him with the gun, and the gun is out of, like, she points at his head and click, nothing. Click, yeah. nothing. How scary. You hear a huge explosion from the gun. She blows, shoots him right in the fucking head. She's got blood all over her. And the movie ends with her screaming her head off and Halloween music playing. Yeah. Like I said before, the first half of this movie, I could deal with 90% of that being trimmed. Let's make this movie about an hour and 20 minutes. Let's cut a lot of it out. And emphasize the second half because the second half of the movie is basically what the entire first half of the movie was yes and i i think that's where this movie shined um but i don't know what, what were your overall uh like leaving thoughts i thought the end of the movie was done very well i really liked the end of the movie the way that it cut off right after laurie shot him and the unknown of what's to come super important to go into the next movie. I thought yeah. it was great. Yeah, I thought that they did very well with it. I really liked the mask that they chose for this actor. I thought it was the best one so far that I've seen. I think the fit as an adult worked really well, but just like the graphics, the the um, details on the mask, the hair, it yeah. all worked. It didn't look gaudy or kind of out of place. It really worked well for this movie. Yeah, so while you were talking, I looked up uh, the difference between a theatrical release and a director's cut release, and they added about 11 minutes to this movie. And I get as a director why you want that time thrown back in. You spent all the time making it and all that, but fuck that. This movie felt long. It yeah. felt bloated. Like I said, let's cut 30 minutes out of the beginning of this movie. So if you wanted the director's cut, you cut 30 minutes out. You're still out an hour and a half. I think that you could make a very good movie out of 90 minutes with this. Yes. Instead, it just felt like it was too much, way too much lore and story behind Michael. But overall, a very good story in the long, uh, not a good story, a very well 
visual aspect yes. between the second half of this movie. The the thoughts were there. You just need to get rid of the beginning, and then this movie is much higher, in my opinion. I could agree to that. But uh, I think that's about it for uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Tune in next time where we're going to be discussing Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. And then we'll be uh, finally getting into the new trilogy where we talk about super uh, 2017's Halloween followed by Halloween Kills. And then this Thursday we'll be watching Halloween Ends. Can't wait. Till next time, I'm Phil. And I'm Stacy. We'll see you then.